This is the iRacers Lounge, featuring the latest iRacing news, driver interviews, race reviews, opinions, discussions, rumors, and more. Now here's Alan Fajari and Mike Ellis. Welcome to iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Alan Pajari. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Now with me here is the usual Mike Ellis and Carlos Fonseca. And then we also have a special guest of Christian Schellner tonight. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hey. All right, Christian, let's just kind of kind of get into a little bit of your background here. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from, what kind of equipment you use, and how long you've been on iRacing? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that's, uh, that's a lot of things, but uh, yep. that's yep. cool. Um, yeah, I, probably, I like started pretty much. Well, it would have been sort of mid mid twenty fourteen, and I'm as you guys know, I'm pretty much from road. Really, I only really started doing the oval stuff. Actually, my first oval race was uh, the first NIS Bristol race last year. That was interesting way to start. Um, I like a lot of Fanatec stuff, as guys on the iRacing Hardware forum have probably seen, because I have have a tendency to jump in there and defend it quite a lot because I think it's quite good. So I got a uh, CSW V two base and. Uh, uh, the Club Sport V3 pedals, along with the uh, shifter as well. I've uh, okay. just gone to some 27-inch three-screen setup. Had 24s before, but I built a new rig and was able to fit 27s. Helped, I think. Good. Very good. Uh, now, I know that you're pretty darn good road racing. So, what what kind of what series did you normally run when you were road racing? Uh, roadside was I I hated the MX-5 with absolute passion and basically as soon as I could get out of that I went to Grand Touring Cup and I drove the Mustang a lot that there's a really good road car I think for starting out and then uh, I think I got my most wins in that I think I must have done at least a hundred or more races in that car alone then after that sort of slowly moved up to GT3s did that for a while until I got bored and then I've just been sort of meandering around couple of cars recently like i tried the 79 the uh the daytona prototype stuff like that but at the moment i'm kind of sort of inactive on the roadside unless it's in leagues okay you know um and we'll talk about the new uh mazda car when it comes out i got a question though Uh, i'm gonna jump in here carlos is showing on screen your winning percentage and your win count is pretty darn high and impressive. Uh, do you have any formal driving experience, or I mean, uh, uh, you got some quite a, quite a wins there? Um, yeah, a lot of those are from the Mustang, and to be to be honest, a lot of that comes from that you generally don't get big fields in that. So if you're a regular in that car, you can pick up a lot of wins. But in terms of actual driving experience, uh, I've done two track days, and that's it, really. Like I got a first generation mx5 that i've done that in and it's fun but massively expensive compared to this you bet uh, I just sort of sit on this basically when i'm not at uh working on projects for university yeah you know and your oval win percentage is not too shabby either <laughs> yeah i find winning on ovals is much much harder though the competition is a lot stronger i think Ah, well, good question. There's a lot of good guys in the road, but uh, Christian, when I first came across you, 
you probably don't remember this, but I ran in the Mustang series for a little bit, and uh, and I noticed you in there. So we raced against a lot of the same guys like Kevin C. Ford and that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where I, I first noticed that you had real real fast and had a lot of skill. But um, uh, let's let's you're part of a team, which is the Black Adder Motorsports, correct? Yeah, um, you had one of our guys on before, Daniel Johnson, and he yeah. spoke a little bit about us. Yeah, so why don't you, why don't you talk from your perspective uh, about your team a little bit? Um, we're majority sort of a, a road-based team, really, because we've got a lot of guys in Europe and Asia. But uh, we've got some guys in North America who enjoy road racing. But we're, I wouldn't say thin on the oval side, but we're, we're just moving into open setup this year. And that's been extremely challenging. I know you guys probably saw my sort of cry for help about Daytona sets in, uh-huh. uh, on Facebook. <laughs> but uh-huh. it's, uh, it's quite rewarding making your own sets. Yeah, so do you do your own or, or are you part of that uh, team with that you have like with Sam, Sam Harris and, and Daniel and, and guys like that? Um, the way we kind of do it is we, well, we didn't do this week because of the build coming up. But what we'd normally do is we'd normally host like a four or six hour session on a Monday night and basically get everyone in there. I try and make a uh, a base for everyone to run before the start of the session and then basically just listen on feedback, do some laps myself and tweak from there and keep keep sharing more sets out to the guys and getting feedback on that. Um, yeah, we... <laughs> The the hardest part, I think, is kind of tailoring it to everybody because, like, uh, our Atlanta set, I, I had it really loose on entry, and, and I was fine with that, but a lot of the guys weren't. So we kind of have one base that then we that when we tweak, but it's just sort of figuring out those tweaks for everyone, which is still kind of, well, we're struggling on that still at the moment, really. So you make it individual, then, for each individual driver has their own things that they want to do, Right. Um, yeah, they're all they're all done from the same base, but then everyone makes their own individual tweaks to them. All right, mm-hmm. and let's talk a little bit about your oval since you started in the NIS last year in Bristol. Um, you came whipping by me in the splits. <laughs> you know, we raced maybe a few races together, and then you moved on in the higher splits. Um, talk a little bit about your NIS career and, and how you feel about it in the competition and and who you enjoy racing with, and uh, yeah, just kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's uh, like like I, like I was saying before. I think I I really enjoy the oval stuff because the competition's a lot stronger. I think in terms of just the pure number of guys who are really good on the oval side, and they tend to race more than the road road course guys. But yeah, I started I started last year at Bristol, which was an interesting way to start. I think everyone basically advised me that I should wait for the uh, the Coke Six Hundred Charlotte as it would be an easier track, but I thought, eh, I'll, I'll try it. And actually, it was quite surprising. I think, honestly, I was probably in a lower split than I realistically should have been. But when I did the uh, Saturday morning race, I actually managed to win. I, I didn't lead a lap the entire time until two to go, and then I, I, I managed to get by when the leaders tripped over a back marker. So that, was, that kind of got me hooked on doing this. And then I've basically been doing every week since I did entire last season in the fixed and a, a couple of uh, a fixed races and just sort of been slowly going from there i was i was quite surprised at how quickly i picked it up 
but I really struggle on mile and a half. They're, they're really my weakness. Like the short tracks, I think I'm I'm pretty handy at, but then like the I just get I just get destroyed on mile and a half. Like um, I think you probably see it in the winter series. Like I I probably wasn't quite as fast as uh, Andrew Fyash at New Hampshire, but I was at least able to hold him off. Whereas if you'd have put us on a mile and a half, there's no chance he'd have just been gone completely. All right, let's talk about that because as you were, as we were racing together, I know we did like the fall race in Texas and stuff like that. That's what you know got me thinking. Well, we we got to make sure we invite this guy to the to the league here. And so Christian is our Baker Racing Winter Cup Series champion. So Ooh. he won. Yep, he won the championship and the the beautiful trophy. Did you receive that there, Christian? I'm. Told that it has arrived at my house, but I haven't been home yet to actually pick it up. So I think it's there, but I need to. I need well, they to go weren't back kidding. It, it was going on the long journey overseas, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, but it's because uh, I think uh, Jay, what he, he sent that like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Yep, he sent it a while ago. But uh, champion everyone, everyone who was in that league, kind of like that. Now they know who Christian Schellner is. You know, everyone knows. I hope I'm saying your last name correctly, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been... Uh, it's, pr- it's pretty good, actually. It gets murdered a lot on a lot of the uh, road broadcasts, so it's, it's, it's kind of good to actually have it pronounced pretty close to what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, it could, you, you, you did well practically in every race that we put on, whether, whether it was a cup, cup race, the Xfinity, or even the Super Late Models. You did, you did awesome in those races. And so kind of really put... You know, people took notice of who, who's this guy. You know, and so everyone kind of saw that you're there. And so now you're now you're pretty much racing in the in the top splits now in the NIS. And uh, and so congratulations on your move up through the through the ovals. But uh, so now since I'm saying that, who do you enjoy racing with? Ah, uh, there's a couple of guys really. I mean, in in the in the winter series was a lot of the guys I enjoyed racing against. Um like I always enjoyed racing against William Dunn. And in fairness, I think he, he had a he had a couple of really unlucky races in the winter series because when I went back and looked through the races, he was normally pretty much around me in the races or quite a few times actually quicker than me and he'd just have something unlucky happen to him. Um my new teammate Adam de Blasio as well, he was he was good to race with. Um, the guys I really enjoy racing with are, are the are the pro guys because I think I think if you can get even slightly close to them and match up and at least race with them for a couple of laps, then you you tend to learn a lot from it. So like uh, like uh, racing with Andrew Fyash was really really a lot of fun because he was in a lot of the races and that was good. Um, Tyler Hudson as well when he turned up that was a lot of fun. Although because basically never keep up. Same for Derek Bordeaux. That is the guy's just insanely fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you've done a great job, you know, keeping up with them uh, when a lot of us can't. So, yeah, congrats on the the league championship uh, for our new listeners. That that league is a league we're all involved with that we run in the off season of NIS. And there's a it's basically a who's who of Division One, Division Two NIS drivers. Uh, so a lot of competition. Yep, a lot of good competition there. We just. Uh, there isn't that many pros. We just got about. Uh, I actually, we had three pros show up for that season, but uh, there isn't that many. But a lot of a uh, lot of top top drivers. Uh, a lot of for, people from the tier just below the pros. Yeah. Right. Yep. 
So yeah, but uh, but talk about like William Dunn. He's a uh, Mr. Consistency. So uh, so yeah, um, he had a few unlucky breaks, but he's normally one of those guys that runs up in the top five all the time. So um, yeah, so that was good. That was uh, those those are good guys. Um, now speaking of that, now since you enjoy running up there with the pros, do you have any pro aspirations? Uh, this is something that uh, we've we've talked about a couple of times and sort of internally, and uh, maybe, but the amount of work that's going to have to go into it to to sort of get us that next step is is going to be a lot. I think possibly, but I don't know when, and it really depends upon sort of uh, real life circumstances as to whether it's actually viable to put the time in to do it. Yeah, <laughs> so. Um, I know for, for our team, Tyler's on, on my team, and we have a bunch of guys that put in a lot, a lot of time. And, uh, and Tyler doesn't uh, necessarily put in as much time as the guys that are trying to build all the setups and stuff like that because of his work schedule. But it's still a lot of time. But, um, but yeah, I, I think you're, uh, you're good enough to make a shot at it. So maybe uh, this October you might uh, give those uh, pro races or pro opportunity races uh, a chance. Um, so yeah, the the one thing I don't like about it is the uh, I look I read through the document. I don't like the 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 idea of the qualifying to do the pro races, and then from then on getting enough points in that championship to qualify for the peak series. Mainly because I just I'm just not really very good when it comes to qualifying. Like I have a couple of times when I can actually pull off a good lap, but most of the time I. I'm sort of mid-pack or the bottom end, really. Uh, <laughs> well, just uh, like uh, what, like I know Derek. Derek is waiting for October, and then he's going to give it a run. And uh, so you never know. Maybe by October you might want to give it a run. I think you're uh, one of the top guys, so you might want to give that a go. But um, let's kind of move on, and let's talk about the peak races a little bit. And so they had uh, two of them already for this season and so we had they had the daytona race um and where alan bowes won the race basically um a few guys made a decision i think they had a caution with about uh 44 laps to go and they made a decision that they're going to try to stretch the fuel and uh then there was a caution late in the race where they were able to um they have not any problems with the fuel anymore so uh and you guys see the, that race at all? I watched the highlights, yep. I, I believe. So, yeah, it was interesting. And Alan Bowes, as you remember, was really hot at the end of 2015. And this certainly kind of continued that streak. Yeah, well, he was the – he won the Pro Series, I believe. Right. Or, and was real hot in the Pro Series. So, yeah, this kind of continued it. And uh, um, from – Wasn't he runner-up in Pro Series? Didn't he get it stolen, like, in the last race? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe you're right. Uh, wasn't it Josh Berry that won it? Yeah. yeah oh, it yeah. But he yeah. had a lot of wins, and he yep. ran well. Yeah. yeah. He did very well. So congratulations to uh, Alan. He, they did a pretty good strategy. Um, I still feel that uh, the one-up team there had the best car. <laughs> yeah, I was watching that, pulling for Tyler. Yeah. They, they, he was. He did pretty good when he was started so far in the back, and then... Uh, Moved all the way up to the front, but uh, things didn't fall his way, and uh, and uh, 
it was a little disappointing. But um, so let's talk about Atlanta. Atlanta was a very interesting race. Did you guys watch uh, at all the peak of Atlanta race? Okay, well, let me tell you about it. Um, there was a few cautions in their Atlanta race, as you would expect. And uh, it, it really came down to a little bit of pit strategy. At the end was a, was a little bit of a longer run. And so what we had was we had Ray Alfalo was basically doing kind of the normal pit strategy, pitting where I think it was about 30 to go and and trying to do a normal pit strategy. And then we had Jake, Jake Sturgis, who went real long on the second to last run, but not long enough where he wasn't able to run down Ray Afella at the end of the race. And so he was able to run him down, pass him, and took the win uh, away from Ray, which was, uh, was a pretty good race to watch. So that was a uh, congratulations to Jake there for winning the peak race in Atlanta. Yep. And um, then in the Grand Prix race that they had, uh, Mike, do you know a little bit about the Grand Prix race? You know, I don't actually. Uh, we I watched some of the preview or the you know the highlight reel, but um, I do know that Gregor Hutu got taken out and well not taken out, but uh, you know hit in the first lap and uh, kind of put him back into the field. Mm-hmm. He crashed with his own teammate, I think. Oh, and they got a very good team of uh, Team Redline there, and uh, but I'm. Um, I'm afraid I'm not positive on who won it. As you can see, we're all oval guys here. <laughs> so, but um, it, it, I'm not sure who won it. So I'm not going to say who won it. But uh, I'm sure it was a great race, and it was actually the first race with the new uh, F1 car. It was Joni Tormala. Joni Tormala. So apparently, he was able to uh, master um, NX the, racing. Master the new car. So that was uh, that was pretty good. All right. Yeah, the timing of this race is is not good for me. It's like real early on a Saturday morning, and so it's kind of hard for me to watch. <laughs> yep, I agree. And uh, but I should start at least uh, watching replays and stuff of it because. Uh, and I race has been pretty good about putting uh, highlight packages together for these races, and that's kind of how I've been watching uh, or keeping up anyway. Is it put a you know a short two minute video together? It's on Facebook and kind of gives you the highlights. Yep. So since uh, we talked about Daytona in our last podcast for the NIS, and so we had two more races, which was Atlanta and Las Vegas, and so let's kind of talk about Atlanta first. Um, Christian, how was your experience just at Atlanta for the NIS? Whether um, fixed and open? Atlanta, I, well, I, I, I've only ran open in uh, all three so far. At- Atlanta was actually... It, it took a, a lot of work. I think I, I, I ended up with something, something absolutely insane, like 36 setup variations before I actually got something I was quite comfortable with. And I, I was actually having a pretty good run, and I ended up getting trapped, um, not a lap down, but I had to take a wave around when I, I pitted a couple of laps short and a caution came out, and that, that kind of put me in a bad position for the end, but I think I got I think I got back up to 8th or something like that, so it's a pretty good week really, especially for our, our first mile and a half setup. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Um, did you find that weather really played a big deal in, in how you set up the car? Um, yeah, yeah, I did. I found that pretty much 
I did, I did all my testing in default, which I think is 40 or 44C. I think you guys work in Fahrenheit, don't you? So I, I don't know exactly <laughs> what that converts over to. It's but, about 108, 108 degrees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I know when we went into the race, I think it might have been something something silly like 48. And the first the first 30 was quite tricky. But I, fa- I found that crossweight is really your friend when it comes to making adjustments in the race. And I always just pretty much do either one or two clicks on that left rear spring perch, and that that tightened it up. And yeah, it was it was pretty good from that on outwards. So that's basically what I use in terms of adjusting for hot weather. I can't remember which way it is. I think it's yeah. I think I know it's a left click on the dial, but I don't know whether that actually. I think that brings the car up on the left rear corner. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Um, Carlos and uh, Mike, how'd you guys do at uh, Atlanta there in your well, sets both, in the fixed? both weeks, you know, Atlanta and Vegas, our team uh, came up with good sets, but we had to build a cold weather set and a hot weather set, and it's kind of annoying, but that's the way it goes with this uh, dynamic weather on the open series, and and you really have no idea uh, what it's going to be, so we just developed two sets and. When we get into the race, that's when you load it up and you pick, you know, which one we're gonna run. So that's kind of how it went. And Carlos, no, we had we had way more than just one hot or cold. Well, that's true. Sets. You had variations, right? We, we all had to do something slightly different for like three degrees difference. You know, we wouldn't mind like there was was it Atlanta where those huge swings in the track temp? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was just ridiculous. Like thirty degree difference before the race. I would. They need to do something to give us a warning. But yeah, I did not do so well in those races where the weather changes out of nowhere. Yeah, I I found Atlanta was more weather dependent um, than Las Vegas was. Las where I, I shouldn't say that it was the swings and weather Atlanta were much larger than they were in Las Vegas. Um. Christian, just how was your Las Vegas? Uh, it was surprisingly Vegas. good, actually. I, I, I'd had a pretty horrible like Wednesday before I actually did my race, so I really wasn't expecting anything. And in the practice sessions, I'd been kind of slow, and it seemed like it was going to get off to a bad start because I got into the race and I was the I was the one car in split two, and I was just like, oh well, yeah, this is this is going to go bad. Um, I actually managed to grab the pole and ran around in the top three for the entire thing. It was. It was a surprisingly good performance. I I tried to undercut, which was a pretty bad idea in hindsight, but it nearly worked. I think I think I had the lead until eight to go, and then I got passed by the other guys I've been running with, and I ended up third in the end. But that that was comfortably my best mile and a half performance to date, so I was really happy with that. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I know for me, uh, I, those two weeks were actually pretty decent for me. Um, Atlanta, you know, uh, I was able to, you know, we have a bunch of different sets for the different types of weather and, and that type of stuff, just like uh, what Carlos was talking about. And we were pretty much right on, on Atlanta. And uh, I think one of the advantages of the fact that Tyler was running Atlanta. And so there was a lot of work done on, on that track. And, and we were right on for a lot of the weather there. And so, um, I think our everyone on our team had some good runs, good runs there, and uh, and it was 
but the the weather differences there were huge swings from you know from what we saw 117 degree track temp and you know other ones were 90 degree track temps which to me is is a large swing on these things and so you really had to figure out which which set you're going to load and then what changes you're going to make based on that temperature but uh liner is one of my favorite tracks on the service and and uh i, I just uh, love the speed there and the the challenge of uh which line to take in turn one you see a lot of people running up high and uh, i was one of the ones that always tried to run low and uh and then who can who can not push and turn three and not get loose out of coming out of four? It was it was kind of kind of fun, <laughs> you know. Uh, Vegas was uh, a little bit different. I think we had a a decent car there. Not not uh, I wouldn't call it uh, fantastic, even though some of our guys did pretty good. But they're the ones that normally do well, no matter what the heck they run. And uh, but um, it was it was not too bad. And but. Las Vegas was also kind of kind of tricky too. Is that it, the track is so stinking fast, except for turn getting into three and and four when it, late in a run. But it is so fast. It, it just it, to me it seemed nuts. Like the racing was just nuts. It was you know? It was just, everyone pushed from lap one. Yeah, it was just like holy cow, people! This is a 133 lap race. You know, <laughs> this is going crazy. Yeah, and, go on, but. But in the fixed races, you know, there was probably a lot of a lot of races in the fixed series at Las Vegas that did not have a caution. Yeah, I think cautions are broker at Vegas. It feels like almost. Well, half of them always drift down below the apron. Apparently, that doesn't cause a caution. But apparently, yeah. even pointing backwards doesn't cause a caution either. Because I've done that too on the track. I was going to say, yeah. remember uh, Homestead, the winter yeah. series. Yep. Yeah. I passed I passed a car that was in the bottom lane facing the wrong way in three, and I was like, "That's got to be a caution." That's probably <laughs> <it wasn't>. me. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what throws a caution or not. It would be nice because uh, one of the things that you find is that since you're unsure whether or not something's going to throw a caution, you're still racing. You have to stay in it. Yeah. Yeah, we, me and Mike were just talking about that yesterday, that maybe cautions would only come out if we're at, or, you know, the car gets past 90 degrees. Come on, you know, that's not going to end up good. Throw a yellow. Yeah, so... Or a quick caution, you know? So I find myself getting involved in stuff because of the fact that I'm unsure if something's going to be a caution. Um, I think in the race that I was in with Mike on Friday night, uh, I saw some cars go down in the grass, and I'm thinking... You know, no caution here, you know, because they're down in the grass. And um, so I I started thinking, okay, I better step on it before anybody comes up. But, of course, I, I didn't make it. <laughs> Someone did come up in front of me. But uh, that's the kind of thing. I'd rather just, I'd rather just, okay, there's a wreck, slow down, and then yellow comes out. Another thing that I noticed, too, is that is that when a yellow comes out, people can pass you. And they still keep that position on you. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure what. What is it that says, okay, here's the position. So sometimes you say pass this. Scoring loop now. 
Well, where is that scoring loop? Well, I have how no is clue. That, how is that done? Oh. I thought it was from the, from behind, where yeah, I don't where understand. there was not ahead. You know, so there seems to be some advantage to not slowing down for the caution, and you see that way too much. You know. Yep, and it causes even more wrecks. Yep, and it causes definitely more wrecks. And and be honest with you, I think it's part of. You know, when I went through the the spiral <laughs> that I call it of my I rating, because oh, yeah. I was because I was involved in all these wrecks, I'm thinking that you know what, when I see a wreck, I'm just gonna freaking slow down. If I have to stop, I'm gonna stop. I'd rather protect the car, you know, and be a lap down or lose positions or whatever it is, and get involved in these stupid wrecks because of you know I'm not positive if a caution's gonna come out or. Caution doesn't come out until 30 seconds after the wreck, which we saw in Las Vegas, by the way. Was that me? No. I know I will cause one of them. I don't know. I shouldn't say 30. It was, it was a, probably a good 5, 10 seconds where the wreck happened. I'm, I'm half, I passed the, passed the wreck like in turn 3, and I was past turn 2 before the caution came out, and it was that same wreck. So, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't understand how those caution things work. Yeah, I think that was one of the reasons why so many races went green. Now, the one meet and you were in, I think, was it Saturday? Saturday noon race we did, and it went almost green until I spun it. Yeah, until until yeah, that end. brought out a caution. I spin the car barely, get sideways, and that brings out a caution. Yep, I agree. And uh, Mike, why don't you talk a little bit about how the divisions were set up this year, so people understand? On, on, it's kind of like, well, I got this high rating. How come I'm in this division? Well, a couple things on that, and I'll, I'll just quickly say about my Atlanta and Vegas. They were really bad. I didn't finish higher in twenty second, and. Um, I don't know what my problem is, but I was just had a lot of bad wrecks and bad luck. And then I, I even on Saturday, I didn't even get wrecked. I just ran bad. I just was, you know, I, I'm just horrible on old tires for some reason. But uh, the division uh, separation and how they separate people into these divisions for the championship scoring has always kind of been a mystery to me. But they actually publish some actual numbers where... Uh, they they say exactly where these divisions are split, and so that was that was one interesting thing. So the the division between division one and division two is thirty five hundred in I rating. So division two to division three is twenty two eighty three, then seventeen thirteen, fourteen forty, and so on down to zero. And um, so we know where that number that line is is thirty five hundred now. And the other interesting thing was um, they didn't quite get the uh, divisions right when they initially set them. And uh, and everyone was complaining on the forums that there's too many people in Division 1. And so iRacing started investigating and figured out that, yes, that they, they screwed this up. Um, I actually looked into it because I was confused about where I stood uh, personally. Um, so... I started in, so I'm going to tell you how this worked for me, and it'll make sense. I started in IS at Daytona on Wednesday that week with an I rating of 3246. An I racing bug put me in Division One by mistake at this point 
four Daytona 500 laters by the end of Saturday, my I rating is now up to 35.28. Now fast forward to Wednesday the following week uh, in Atlanta, where iRacing realized the issue and they did a reset of all the divisions mid-afternoon based on the 3500 number, obviously setting uh, from that uh, IR off that moment. So uh, I was at 3528 and I made it into Division 1 because they reset it after Daytona, uh, which I did really well that week. Um, even more interesting, just hours after they did that final division adjustment, I ran the open race at Atlanta, wrecked out, and my I rating fell down below 3,500 again to 3,467. So I just barely made it in Division One. I. I probably shouldn't have. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, I know for me, at one time I was up, uh, in December I was up to 3,800. And by the time NIS started, I was down. And so now I'm sitting in second, second division. And I'm not saying I should be division one. I'm probably where I'm, where I should be. But I'll, I'll eventually, well, I'm already over the 3,500. So eventually I'll probably go back up. And so, you know, but then again, I mean, there's a lot of guys that, uh, I, I think I remember talking about it a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a couple of guys that were running for the championship in Division Two. They they both, at the time, had over a 6,000 I rating. And so it was just kind of like, you can't compete against these guys because they're racing top split races against, you know, very high SOFs. And so you, you're not going to win the championship no matter what because they can finish 15th and still get more points than you. Well, yeah, so, I mean, I'm used to running – pretty well in points and like I'm down in the hundreds in division one and uh, I'm a little, you know, set off by that, but that's okay. That's room for improvement. Yep. For me, I just, I just kind of look at the, the overall and try to see where I'm at overall. And I'm just going to continue with that goal of trying to be in the top hundred overall and, uh, and still build that I rating because that's really what I'm trying to do this season is, is build I rating even though I'm not really running for pro or anything like that but there's some guys up there in the 4000s I went my running running with and right and so I feel like I'm the low guy on the team here and so I want to pull it up <laughs> so Christian why don't you go ahead and mention yours <laughs> Oh, <laughs> what? Uh, which one? The oval or the roadside? I, uh, I hate that I high. get put in. <laughs> I hate that I get put in division one. It means I basically got no chance of winning anything ever. <laughs> it's really annoying, actually. Um, because uh, despite despite my sort of, I think I I think I didn't have. I think it was five rounds short last season because of when I came into it. So I think I had twenty five rounds counted or something, and I think that put me third in division three. But and as you say, like there's there's guys who. I mean, we know there's guys who do it on purpose, but then I think there's also guys who do actually do it by accident, and they end up in a division which isn't really right for them, and they then they just dominate it. Because I mean, I think I think Chandler Krizik was a, is is or was a division two driver, and that guy's ridiculously quick. He re, he really should be a division one, but last year he was division two. I think he did win, and it was because he was fast, but he. It, compared to some of the other guys in Division 2, he was obviously in with a much better sort of chance of it just because he was in the highest splits by the yep. end of the season. Yep. Yeah, and he was one of those guys that you saw that was winning a lot of races in the early part of the season and then 
kind of dropped off because he was in the higher splits. But he was still getting high points, you know. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because um, I, I, I know we had a... It was there was a debate between me and me and Daniel about whether I was going to overtake him because I'd ended up in higher splits and I didn't think I would, but even just sort of having sort of top tens in the higher splits was enough to actually overhaul him with I think about three or four races to go, which I didn't I don't really think that should be possible, but it's just a way of how the splits work, I guess. Yep. All right. Uh, today is uh, Tuesday. Uh, March 8th, am I correct on the March 8th? Yep. And yep. so today is Build Day. So this, uh, so it's week 13, and they put out a new build today. And so let's talk about that. But let's first talk about that new thing that they have out called Test Drive. Uh, oh, what a pleasant surprise this was. Um, uh, who was expecting this is my first question. Uh, expecting it? No. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a surprise to the whole community. But basically what this is, is uh, the, it's offline testing uh, is available where you can go to a different website. It's testdrive.iracing.com. You put in your normal iRacing credentials that you normally log in with. And you have to actually hit create account and use those same credentials. You go back to the website after you do that, you log in with the same credentials, then you get a, a nice simple website that shows you drop-downs for track and drop-downs for car. And guess what, folks? Every single car is there, even if you don't own it. And uh, it was lots of fun the other night. Yeah, let me correct it you up. a little bit, a little bit. You have to have it downloaded. So only if you, when you run the updater, and you download even the stuff that you don't own, will you be able to drive those cars? I guess that's why you should always download everything. when you Always know. download yeah. it all. Yep. So the other night they opened it up and uh, for testing kind of uh, to, the, to everyone, and I got in and tried it. I got to try the Lotus car, which I don't own, and it was an absolute blast, and I uh, had the a lot of fun. 49 or 79? I tried them both, actually, but the okay. 49... Wow, it's like an engine on wheels, man. Uh, I don't know. I used to, I used to race a '79. I had a lot of fun with it. So, but and uh, uh, but the other th the other part of this is you can pre-order the new content as well uh, during this process. You know, when they're down for maintenance, you can actually buy the cars that are coming out right then. You don't have to wait until Tuesday. Um, so that's another uh, kind of wrinkle in this. Yeah, um, I actually, you don't really need to pre-order test, test drive it, which is something they didn't tell you, probably because they want you to buy it. But I was, I actually did pre-order uh, a new Renault car because I plan to run that series. But, um, but today, when they were down, I was able to go into test drive, and I actually tried all the new cars out there plus some ones that uh that i don't own so i was able to try the new f1 car and, and stuff and uh i quite enjoyed that experience that they that you're able to kind of test drive a car before you can do it but they are only having this up during maintenance times they're not well, that's my problem with this this should be up all the time it should be a perk of being a member of iRacing and maybe they should even have it available for 
the open public where they can do a trial drive? Ooh, I'm not sure about open public, but um, but it, one thing it would do is if they did have it op open for all members, is that you can test drive cars because a lot of people ask for that. Be able to test drive a car before they buy it. And so this would be a way for them to be able to do that. And I could just see the light bulbs going off in the painting community with all the painters out there when they saw this. Wow, this is kind of an offline thing. I can launch a car in a sim real quick and check a paint. Wow, and they're just saliv salivating at this. But then they realize it goes away, you know, as soon as the maintenance is over. Yeah, I don't know about the, you, but um, all the cars were white. Uh, yeah, there is a bug I read on the forums. They're going to address that. I think when you go in, it actually said test driver instead of your name um, okay. uh, in the relative. So they're addressing that, and I think that there's going to be a way to assign a paint. So it, changes are coming for that. All right, and so now let's talk about the new build. A lot of stuff. Uh, let me just get down to uh, my release notes here. Um, I'm not going to talk much about the website, even though they said that they kind of sped some things up and that type of stuff. But uh, looks the same I'm, to me. It, it it and it acts a little bit the same. There was some experiencing, yeah. you know, slowdowns. Down. Yep. So. To me, I'm not even going to talk about the website until they actually get that damn thing fixed. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to put it. <laughs> so I don't even care about the rest of the stuff until that thing is fixed. Uh, billing, I think we mentioned about the new payment option before. Um, one of the things that they did was that they added a they added a, a piece of software to the iRacing thing for people to be able to record their races called d3d gear and no, that's um, what it is yep. yeah 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 use that the other day the actual program yeah and so they they added that in and so you can do like the shift alt control v or whatever to start some kind of video it's like control then, alt shift v like so many keys at once yeah and and then there's some kind of then also there in the app any i guess you got to enable your your microphone so if you want to hear yourself talk then you can rehab that record too but for the a lot of people that have been recording their stuff either on obs or uh, xsplit or whatever it is this actually causes a problem for them so there is an option in the app any file to help solve that problem even though it doesn't solve it for all um, but it helped people with some exploits, and I think it helps people that uh, that drive in windowed mode, not the full screen, but windowed mode for OBS. There's a there's a thing in the app any little section, and uh, it's I think it's called. Well, oh, Mike, it's, a, you know it's a flag to turn off this D3D gear thing. Right. Yep. And so I was just kind of doing a quick look here in the app. Any, but yeah, there's a flag in there to turn it off. It's uh, under the video section. There's called video capture enabled. You can change that to zero instead of one. Hell, I wonder. That's why my FPS counter not doesn't work no more. Yeah, probably because that that thing is uh, kind of in the way of uh, all these other recording programs. So, anyways, they add that, that in. Yep. And uh, but. Let's just kind of get down to the to the meat uh, of what they did. And for the dynamic track, they 
doubled the creation rate of marbles. And they also fixed the issue, which they never admitted was an issue before, which was the during cautions that the, even when you had the, the check mark off an automatically clean marbles option, you used to clean them anyways during cautions. And so now they fix that. So I always knew see, they were doing that. I always knew that, oh, that they don't seem to be building up over a race. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty obvious. I remember in the Super Late Model series, like we started with 100, didn't we? And there was marbles all over the place. As yep. soon as there's caution out, they're all gone. They're all gone. Yep. And so, and then now there should be more, like maybe hopefully what it should be. And it's uh, and they won't be cleaning it if that's if you have a hosted race and uh, you have that check mark. So, so. I, just, I want to just pause for a second. This is kind of how software goes in the software industry. Sometimes six months ago they released Dynamic Track, and the biggest part of that I think was some of the visuals like marbles. Well, here we are six months later, folks, and they finally actually fix it where it actually is going to work. <laughs> oh yeah. I think in the, the software industry, anyway. though, is that you're always going to have that. Oh, um, yeah. It takes a while. I mean, that's the thing. They do a release. They find a bug. It was an obvious bug. But, it, you know, it took them six months. Or they had to wait a couple builds before you can, you know, get to it. Yep. Then they mentioned something about the netcode stuff. Now, they didn't fix netcode issues that people see where cars are hitting I, each I other thought that was a weird name. I don't know why they call it that. But yeah. they basically added new... Uh, you know, bandwidth selections in the settings. Right. Now, if, but the only problem is it's only, it's only as good as the lowest car that you're next to. You know what I mean? So if I have, if I up my setting because I have a, a good internet connection and the guy I'm driving next to has a, has a bad internet connection, it's only as good as his. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, if, if there's a netcode, there's a netcode. But the, the funny thing is about netcode crashes, because you hear a lot of people after they crash, they go, oh, it was netcode. Well, as we, as we know, there's basically a bubble around each car. I mean, they can't really say pixel to pixel when exactly cars hit. There's, so there's a little, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a box, but I think they, it's basically rounded circles as their collision yes, detection yes. method. Yeah, spheres. So, so when you're you're looking at that, a lot of accidents that you see are not the cars don't actually touch, but the pixels did, and so there's crashes. So if you're one of those guys that are in a lot of netcode crashes, just remember give a little room because there's more than what you see there would actually make up the car. So anyway, that's just uh my uh, advice on that. Has anyone right. actually turned those effects on, by the way? Those what? Like, uh, the, you know, I said about the netcode. Oh, doesn't it add, like, more... Uh, is, is, isn't it supposed to be something to do with more detail to, like, your opponent's cars? Terms, I would assume steering and that kind of information. Uh, but I haven't turned fine. it on, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I haven't turned it on. I, I have no idea. It says, these selections allow higher network bandwidth usage between the SIM and the race servers. Mostly, this allows the sender to send more detailed data for each opponent car and or more opponent's cars to the SIM. If your stuff is fast enough and you select one of these new, new options, yeah. 
you'll want to yeah. take uh, advantage of it. So something like that, yeah. Yeah. So I'll probably set mine up, and uh, but I don't think it's really going to happen. Now, where is this of... setting at? Um, it, this would be like if you go into account, and then near the bottom, I think, is where you have that selection of how fast of internet thing you have. Oh, and okay. So, yeah, so, you know, people that couldn't see, like, the all the cars before, remember we, we advised people to change it to, like, 512 or whatever, 512K, right. maybe they get more options there. So, um, but one of the big things that they did, DirectX 11. Oh, yeah. Finally. <laughs> yep. So it's an option in the settings thing where you can opt into DirectX 11. It isn't by default. DirectX 9 is still used by default. So DirectX 11. So anyway, they you're not really going to see a bunch of visual things going, oh, yeah, this is cool or anything like that. Because the only thing they did was port over the same stuff over to, to over to 11 so but it's supposed to kind of make things smoother so i think that basically we've all tested out what do you think of direct x11 i think it's a lot better i think it does it does smooth out the frames especially in never ring because i used to get drops to i think i think 45 on the main straight no yeah, it's terrible there yeah whereas now I, I i did a quick test with the uh the r8 and I, it never went below, I think, about 84. Because I have my caps as 101. And it was basically 100 the entire way around. I think it dropped, like I say, down to about 84 at one point. That was it. So, much improved. Much smoother. Yep. If you can turn it on, you should do, I think. Yeah, what about you, Carlos? Well, I was able to actually uh, pretty much max out my graphics. At least for a single screen, that's all I got. But, you know able to do that and pretty much retain the same frame rate I was using before, which I kept it capped at 75, and one thing I did notice was uh, it just used my GPU more, which is what it was supposed to do in the first place, so I'm not complaining there, but temperatures rose up, and I really uh, did not care for that, so I ended up capping it down to 65, and it uh, seems to be working great. It definitely looks smoother than it did. Okay. Um, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a manufacturer of uh, my son getting a new graphics card for his computer. So I got his hand-me-down, which was a lot better than the one I had. And so now I got a 780 Ti in, in my machine. Nice. And so I got basically everything's jacked up. All my graphics are now jacked up. And um, with the DirectX 9, I have stuttering. Of course, that would happen with my old card. So, you know. It was it was just stuttering. Uh, this time the stuttering was uh, not as much. I did see a couple though. You know when I went into a practice at like Phoenix and stuff, I did see a little bit of stuttering, but it really wasn't that bad. I was in a, a, a race at Brands Hatch earlier today, and nothing. Everything was just smooth, and so uh, I think that uh, uh, that it was good that they moved to this thing. I think it's uh, yeah, I agree with Christian there. If you can if you can do it. Put it on there, and then you might have to cap your uh, frame rate at something so your uh, car doesn't get hot. But, um, you know, I got mine capped at 84, and uh, it seems to be working pretty good there. Well, I forgot to cover the other half of that, and that was pretty much CPU usage was reduced, of course, with this. And, you know, before I used to use, well, with my CPU, I got a i7-4790, or, you know, one of them. 
i7s and uh it's only using 20% before now it's only using like 9 or 10 percent okay yeah so that's expected all right and then they added some what they that thing they call popcorn fx before well, one more one more note quick on before we okay. leave direct x11 i want to mention is don't forget when you have to go to the website go to settings you have to turn it on and or it doesn't work you're still on direct x9 so pay attention to that and the whole idea of you know, between March and June, the next between now and the next build is for you to get your stuff in order to make it work on DirectX 11. Because guess what, folks? Come June, DirectX 9 is turned off. Okay, so take the time, turn on the switch, go test the sim. If it doesn't work, you're going to need to do something with your hardware probably. Yep. All right, let's move on to Popcorn FX. Uh, uh, I'll just hit the highlights here. Um, one of the things is their debris and particles and, and that type of stuff. Now you can actually see this stuff when it's stuck to the tire. For example, uh, I was in the Renault earlier today, ran through the grass, saw the grass, grass clippings on the tire there for a while until they actually came off the tire, which was kind of, Kind of neat. Basically, you really see it in open wheel compared to, you know, a, like a Gen 6 car or something like that. So it was it was actually kind of neat about that. Um, so they, they got the some more of the graphics type of things. Now, these things were already there. They already had, like, the, the grass and things popping up. but um, And they had the effects that it would have on the tires, but you really didn't – the graphics all weren't perfect and or – improved or i shouldn't say they weren't exactly what they are now and so they really improved on those type of graphics that you see um there was also another little uh what we call a surprise a little extra uh which is they added in fireworks for after a race and it's to the night races and so after a night race you will see fireworks and you will hear the popping of the fireworks. So, yeah, somebody posted up a video on Facebook. I saw this earlier before the podcast record, and uh, pretty cool. I was kind of surprised by that, and I thought that was a neat touch. Yeah, it looks really nice too, though. Like real. Yeah. So that's just a little, little something that they added in, which was actually kind of neat. Um, for the audio changes, you can hear the new tire roll, the scrub, and skid sounds, which. You can definitely hear, hear they're new. Um, you can actually hear your tires basically around the corners of all the tracks. And just, it's a, it's a neat, neat sound that they got there. They got new shift sounds and uh, uh, some new engine sounds and um, stuff. So, and then you're also supposed to be able to hear the shifting sounds of other cars. And uh, so anyway, they, that, that was all added in. Um, they also added in smoke and debris generated by other cars. Now, I think we've seen smoke generated by other cars before. Wouldn't you say that would be correct? Yeah. Yeah. But this time, definitely debris. Uh, I was uh, following a car in an earlier race today, and uh, he shot sand up at me. <laughs> nice. Uh, you can so- see uh, 
I was doing testing when I was talking about the marbles, you know, at California Auto Club. I was just running up there, and you see him getting shot out the back of my car. Yeah, so that's actually kind of neat. And uh, so that's new. And they got this uh, dynamic tire debris accumulation thing, which they call, which I talked about how how basically all this stuff that's on the track or off the or off the track picks up on the tires and then it will kick off after uh, basically run them off. Um, in some a lot of road cars now that have the headlights, you can flash them. Usable. <laughs> They're yep. gonna be so abused. Oh yeah. yeah. They're going to annoy so many people. You're going to have yeah. to map a new button to flash the headlights. So, Christian, in real life, what do they flash the headlights for? Um, like You see it at uh, stuff like Le Mans or and stuff where there's like a huge speed differential between classes. And it's just basically to let the slower guys know that there's a quicker car coming. It still gets abused in real life, though, because you can see it. Because the guys will use it to intimidate someone they're chasing. Like you yep. see it a lot, especially in the uh, touring car series. Um, one thing about the smoke, by the way, I think what it was was you could see it when people had huge slides, but I don't ever remember seeing burnout smoke from other cars, and I think that's what you can see now. Yep, that is that is definitely new. Is what they call the car isn't moving, and so you now that'll be good for broadcasters. Yep, and so uh, I know that. Uh, there was a couple guys on our team that kind of tested the burnout type of thing and see how much smoke that you could see from the other car doing the burnout. And uh, he said there wasn't as much as what he expected, but but uh, we'll see. Um, now, during the hosting and testing sessions, you can set the time of day, and they have four options for that, which is morning, afternoon, late afternoon, or night. For most of the tracks, night, of course, will only be available for the for the tracks that have uh, lights, uh, I think we mentioned before about the new lo- lollipop guy. Well, he's out now, so you can see him do his animation. Um, and so I expect to see more of that type of stuff uh, in upcoming builds. Um, let me see. Oh, uh, something important in, uh, in telemetry. Yeah, uh, telemetry, the yep. big thing there is they now include your setup in telemetry. So if you're sending telemetry files around, it now includes your car setup. So be aware. Yep, be aware of that. And uh, I know that's one thing that um, that uh, <laughs> iRacing Analyzer does is that when the, if you post your lap times to the server, there's also it will post your setup to the server. And so I always make sure that is checked off, and I never post my setup. Matter of fact, I don't post my lap times either, you know. But that is one of the things in there, and it's just kind of like, uh, but I knew that they had that ability because at least with that piece of software, I was able to go to any lap and get that setup that I did for that lap. So it didn't matter if I saved my changes in the garage or not. I could use that. But, uh, of course, I'm I'm old school. I always save my changes and everything, so... But just remember, if you're going to be sharing your uh, sharing your IBT file, that uh, the setup is in there from now on. So, so be careful of that. How do you actually access the setup? Uh, from the IBT file? Yeah. You know what? I'm not sure. I I, I really have no idea. I don't know if you could do it through uh, Motec or Atlas or 
or anything like that. So, you know, because like I threw the iRacing analyzer, um, it just had that uh, ability just to, you know, take my lap and right-click on it and to do save setup. So I'm not sure um, what exactly or, or how it works. So maybe someone will uh, let us know. Um, but otherwise, uh, let's skip down here to uh, some of the cars. Uh, they added four cars. Um, the Audi R8 LMS GT3 car, which I find be a very nice car to drive. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yep. the Audi's awesome. I think about buying it. Yeah, I did one of those test drives on it, and I actually I liked it. So, yep, that was uh, that was pretty good. Um, I'm not going to cover all the changes that they had on the cars, but uh, that's just they updated most of the stuff, like the flashing headlights, maybe new tires, uh, engine sounds, and, and that type of stuff. Um, I, well, they, I think the big thing, Alan, for for us anyway, was to the NASCARs. We got the lower downforce package. Uh, yeah, and I'll I'll hit hit upon that. I'm going to mention the other three cars: the Formula Renault 2.0. All right. Um, which will have its own series uh, that uh, that came out, and of course I I or pre-ordered that car, and so I ran a week 13 race in it, and uh, it's interesting. It's not as a uh, it doesn't seem to have as much downforce as the Star Mazda does, so it takes a little driver skill, but it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the Mazda, the new Mazda MX-5 Cup. Um, if you guys remember the old Mazda car, I, I couldn't stand that old Mazda car. I hated that car. The new Mazda car actually looks pretty good. <laughs> so It drives pretty good too, if you ask yeah, me. A little yep, bit better. Yep, definitely drives better. It looks, looks good. So, um, my second account there where I'm still a rookie, I think I'm going to drive this a lot more just for, just for fun. But uh, it's actually pretty nice. And then another GT3 car, which is the Mercedes AMG. Um, and uh, I had a chance to test drive that car. I don't like it as much as Audi. Uh, I think it reminds me a lot of the BMW. But um, it's it's uh, another one of the new cars. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people will like it. All right, now let's talk about a little bit of the changes they made to the Gen 6 and to the Xfinity cars because that's there are some major, major adjustments there as for the other cars that uh, that were already part of the sim. All right, Mike, why don't you go ahead and talk about the new Gen 6 changes? Well, obviously the new NASCAR lower downforce package uh, has been implemented and um, new tire sounds, it sounds like, as well. Um, yep. And they did increase drag on all tracks except super speedways. And now we're running the restrictor plates at uh, Monza when that's an oval. Yes, yep. we're talking about the slightly modified drafting capabilities. Yep. And they also kind of slowed down the cars a little bit in yep. the draft. For for example, like Daytona, when we were hitting... You 210? Know, yeah, two ten. And had to really back off at the end of the straights. Is that what you? Yeah, yeah. That was just going too fast in those corners, is what they really do and that type of stuff. So uh, they kind of made a slight adjustment there, and hopefully it uh, 
what they write in here is slightly modified drafting capabilities to reduce pack speeds. So yeah. that makes sense. But um, all right, guys, uh, most of us had an opportunity to uh, test out the Gen 6. What did you think of the changes? Yeah, <laughs> not all that <laughs> Phoenix. You can't really tell, but other tracks you can. I like it. You know, you really got to slow the cars down now to make the corner and, you know, drive again. Christian? Uh, yeah, I tried, I tried my Vegas set, and it was really ridiculously loose. So there's certainly... Uh, I think the, the thing I'm a bit surprised about is the downforce seems to be gone. Sort of not where I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a lot looser at the rear, but it also seems to push a lot more as well. Like, uh, your entry speeds are a lot slower. I am disappointed about one thing, though. We don't have the driver-adjustable track bar, and I was really oh, hoping yeah. they were going to bring that in. Yeah, they mentioned before that that was something that they couldn't do, especially at this time. Oh, okay. but, uh, but, yeah, it would be neat that you can actually move it while you're driving instead of having to be like an next pit stop thing like they can do in real life. But, uh, but we'll see about that. What I found, though, is uh, I did test at Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Auto Club. Uh, I, first thing I did is I loaded up Las Vegas, and I noticed right away um, how much slower I got to go into the turns to be able to make the turn. And, of course, the old setup is extremely loose. <laughs> That's one thing I didn't notice. Um, it seems to really push up when you're coming into the corners. And, uh, and then it, and when you're in mid-corner, don't go full throttle because it, it will turn around on you. So um, I also found this at Auto Club, too. Basically, the same thing is that the, the lines that I used to take and where my, my uh, lift points were and where my getting the throttle points were are, are now shot. So it's basically lift earlier. I was using the brakes at Auto Club just to make it around the turns. And of course, you're easy on the throttle, but really until straight. You know, so it's just, uh, it's to me, it's really changed the car. I think it's changed it for the good. And it should put a lot more of the driving into the driver's hands, I think. Hell, if people are watching on Twitch, you can see how much I'm working the car here. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds interesting, nice. for sure. I haven't yeah. tried it yet, but I'm anxious to. Yep, so it's, uh, there's a lot of changes in that thing, folks, and so um, there's going to be a uh, learning curve, I would say, but uh, it should be fun. I think uh, Phoenix is going to be horrible this week. Oh, Phoenix is always horrible, but yeah, it's gonna be be extra horrible. yeah I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be even worse though. <laughs> okay. All right, the Xfinity car, uh big big changes here. Uh they put in the shock springs in that car. Number of bump stops. Um with that they also put in the Packers. So uh all your Xfinity setups are trash because uh it's changed. Uh, they have the suspension has been adjusted slightly. I don't know exactly what tire grip has been adjusted slightly. I would say it's gone. But <laughs> <laughs> so when they say adjusted, I'm saying, oh, they wiped it out. Tire grip is wiped out. But uh, the big thing is the shock springs and uh, the Packers now are in there. And so it's a, about a little bit closer to probably a cup car. Now, uh, what about the tire sounds? Uh, for the Xfinity? Well, just for everything, you know. 
Anyone ever noticed anything different? I mean, I do. They, you can tell they squealed more like a real tire. Yeah, basically every car on the same got new tire sounds. Yeah, the same, those sounds in general, though. I think they're better than the last ones we had. Yep. And so, uh, the like I was saying, the Xfinity changed pretty pretty much. Um, uh, one thing about the Star Mazda is that their uh, tires now heat up faster. So it doesn't take you uh, as long to go from a cold tire to a heated tire. And so that uh, is uh, interesting. So, uh, But I remember when I first drove the Star Mazda, it was like um, it was like driving on ice in the first couple laps. It was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Then they added in the downforce to be more realistic. And so it got to be a lot better. And now it seems like with the tire heating up faster, uh, those things are going to be... Uh, Pretty interesting drive. They probably go pretty quickly, pretty fast. Um, for the tracks, basically, uh, besides uh, Nibbering, basically all the tracks got the 60 pit stalls. And that was uh, the change, basically, for all the tracks. Um, let me try to see uh, what they did for Nibbering. I think they just... Uh, Let's see, the adjusted which objects appear in the vicinity of the front state of Nürburgring Grand Prix when graphic settings are set to low detail. Weather information has been updated. So those are changes on Nürburgring, so it wasn't much. I'm told there's some pretty significant um, background changes at Monza that people were noticing, but I, I don't know, I haven't driven it. I just know people were saying there's, there's either more or different scenery objects somewhere on the track. Interesting. Let's see. The only thing that they have here is pit stalls and starting grids have been expanded for all those different configurations that they have. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, but again, it's just kind of like um, the fireworks deal. You know, they really didn't uh, say that they were going to put fireworks in or some of the other changes that they have put in. And so uh, it's kind of kind of different. And so maybe there's some, uh, what do what they call it, kind of uh, hidden gems. All right. And so, uh, Mike, uh, Inside Sim Racing did an interview with Tony Gardner. You want to hit the highlights on that? Yeah, a couple of nuggets in here I wanted to share. Um, they just signed a five-year lease for the office that they're in. So they're not going anywhere, folks. Uh, they took over. Uh, some other offices in the same building and expanded, adding 4,000 square feet. They've hired seven people in the last year. They have several open positions right now, if you're looking for work. They employ about 50 people. Uh, 10 to 15 of those are contractors doing artwork. They've been profitable for four years in a row now, and they're investing everything back into the product. Uh, they're working on new forums. Yay! That's about that's way overdue. Uh, he talked about Le Mans truck, uh, track. They're still working on it. They're trying to get some Le Mans type cars. Uh, they're looking at LMP1 as well. So um, they're working on it. Working on it, and then you can see that I racing clock soon. But um, but I I'd say overall they're they're doing a fine job on the progressions that they've been making. So I'm not one of these people that complain about it. And when they get it done, they get it done. Yeah. All right. Uh, season two schedule came out 
for 2016. Uh, nothing really that notable except for a couple new series. Uh, yeah, which is for the, the new Euro- cars, yeah. Yeah, the European MX-5 Cup Series came out, or is is brand new. And then the iRacing Formula Renault 2.0 Championship as there. Otherwise, it's basically this, the same series that we've uh, normally had, which is uh, which is uh, good. I think some people were kind of expecting a track because there was some odd tracks in the, when they came out with this series. Uh, like there was a, a couple of road series that ran out of oval um, that normally wouldn't. And some people thought maybe there might be a track coming out. Um, and so they were calling, a, calling that uh, place a placeholder. But uh, no, no new track came out. So uh, uh, that's probably uh, the real schedule there. All right. And then uh, I Race for Life uh, seminars coming up, Mike. April 27th through 29th, Dallas, Texas. It's free, and uh, a lot of different people from the iRacing community will be there. Lots of giveaways and stuff. Boy, I wish I had time to go. It sure looks like fun. Yeah, it looks like an interesting show whenever I see the the videos on it. Um, And for our video showcase thing, uh, Justin Michael, which I think I mentioned before, which is jmichael99, is now switching all his streaming over to YouTube, and so he wants to make sure that uh, I tell all you folks that he's switching his streaming there, and so you can find his channel at jmichael99, and his uh, next big thing he's going to be doing is the complete 12 hours of Sebring. And another thing I wanted to point out, uh, which was kind of a neat perspective that Jason Miller did um, on, a, on a recording of the Daytona Pass race, or the peak race, and since he is the crew chief of... Tyler, of uh, Tyler Hudson, um, he basically just recorded his view of what he does, all the team speak information that they got going on, the in-race chat that they got going on, and so it's kind of a it's kind of a neat perspective from kind of inside the team of what happens during those races, and so you can hear hear him on on how he's moving up through the field and doing wonderful, and then the that kind of let down after uh, the pitch strategies didn't work out and that type of stuff like that. You can kind of see on the highs and the lows of what they go through and all the, the strategy that goes involved. So it's actually kind of a unique perspective to that. So um, that's out there on YouTube under uh, under his uh, his channel, which is Junior Jason. And um, and I'm not probably in our uh, in our YouTube video here. We'll have the Little little thing that Carlos is showing that. All right, Mike, you want to talk a little bit about the rest? Yeah, let's uh, hit hardware real quick. Uh, there's a lot of talk on the forums about Windows 10 uh, getting heavy-handed, uh, forcing upgrades supposedly. That hasn't happened yet uh, that I can see, and there's a lot of tools out there to stop it. But... Um, I actually had, I, I work with digital signs and I had one this morning, actually an unmanned digital sign show up with windows 10. Uh, that was previously windows seven. And, uh, as far as I know, nobody interacted with it. So I have to figure out how that machine ended up with, with 10 on it. But, uh, who knows? Interesting. 
Uh, the next one was uh, Main Performance PC. Had uh, been putting out the SIM pedals, is the ones I actually bought. Uh, they're discontinued. And uh, the reason is, well, he's regrouping. He's going to come out with a, a better product, uh, a upgraded product, uh, a refined product. So uh, if you're looking to buy those pedals, you're going to have to wait. Uh, the other thing uh, he noted was he's working on a wheel, folks, uh, a really nice wheel. So uh, I'm really anxious to see that. So uh, that should be interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, our seat uh, launches a new cockpit called the N1. Uh, our uh, teammate Jose runs uh, has an R seat. Uh, they're pretty cool uh, cockpits. If I was buying one, I was telling Jose, that'd probably be the one I would be looking at. But... Uh, if you're interested in cockpits, check out our seat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The next one was... I found a tidbit from my uh, one of my favorite iRacing staff members, David Tucker, uh, in the forums. And basically, he confirmed... And, and I've always looked for somebody from iRacing to do this. Widescreen triples set to maximum FOV equals the best case scenario, okay, in iRacing. So everyone has always talked about single screen, triple screens. What if I do five screens that are all standing upon portrait? Or what if we do, you know, four by three screens instead of 16 by nine screens? And there's all these different scenarios you can do with screens but uh, he basically confirmed uh, what most of us, I, I think, already knew, you know, that, that widescreen triples is the way to go. Yep. All right. Uh, and also this week we heard about uh, Dylan Brockwell. Uh, Mike, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Dylan Brockwell is an racer who uh, unexpectedly lost his life um, just here March 3rd. And he's a young man. Uh, he's been in iRacing, uh, racing a lot of us. And uh, he actually uh, passed away after complications at the dentist pulling his wisdom teeth and ended up in a coma. Um, I want to quote uh, one of our friends, Michael Baker, who's been on the show before. Uh, Michael Baker said, quote, Dylan is a winner. He won the last race that he raced. This is so sad. Dylan will be missed. So I think uh, Michael said it best. So I just wanted to uh, take a moment and recognize uh, Dylan and and prayers go out to his family. All right, uh, let's get to the final thoughts here, uh, Christian. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up the show soon. So you got any final thoughts for the show? Anything you want to convey? Uh, I like well, like I said about Phoenix. I think I think it's going to be even more of a wreck fest than normal. And I also think that um, I think that the the introduction of the Formula Renault is is basically going to kill the Star Mazda series because all the all the top guys from the Star Mazda are, are moving across. But I think uh, basically you're going to be another dead series. I think iRacing kind of need to do something to sort of either either think about rotating series on and off that are either extremely similar or basically of, of overlapping entirely. Or, or just go about trying consolidating some series together. I think there's been a couple of people pushing for that kind of thing on the forum, but nothing's nothing's changed for this season, I don't think. Or what might be a good idea is that you don't run 
these series every two hours. <laughs> and oh, yeah. You, yeah. And you kind of limit it so you so you get the bigger, have more splits and that type of stuff. And then you can also you can run those other series that they would just be other days, you know, or different times. And so I mean, if 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 you had like one every six hours that you can do a, a Renault uh, race, and then once every six hours you could do Star Mazda, then people might do that, you know. So that's kind of well. Actually, my thought is that a lot of these things should be every two hours. That's just kind of my thought. So I think they should kind of spread them out a little bit. Um, but uh, actually, actually, more of my thought is like the Xfinity and the and the truck. Uh, season-long series that we do is uh, I think they should be run more like the NIS where it's a limited amount of time frames that people can get in. But um, anyway, I think they should do that on all. Anything else you got, Christian? Uh, no, not, not really, if I'm honest. Um, he's already been touched on the the death of Dylan Brockwell. It was it was extremely sad. I mean, I never raced him, but looking around, especially on the forums, he's, he seems like a guy who no one disliked. And I think that's that's quite rare. So I mean, it's it's just extremely sad, really, to see that happen to someone. All right, yeah, it, it is it is sad. Uh, Carlos, do you have any um, final thoughts? Yep, I just want to get word out there that if you remember last year, I did those track guides. They're back, still doing them every week. In fact, there's one out right now for Phoenix. Go check it out. That's yep. all I got. But they're not going to be as fast now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike, go ahead with your final thought. Uh, Division one. Wow, I can't believe I'm here after two and a half years of running NIS, and but Carlos and I are in Division one, and we're representing our team uh, hopefully well. But we're at the bottom of Division one, both of us, and it's humbling. Is my new normal fighting to get in the top twenty now? Um, I sure hope this new uh, downforce package suits my style, but I guess we'll find out. Yep, we'll find out. Um, for me, um, it's all the excitement about the new build. It's the excitement about DX11 finally being here and something I've been waiting for because I've been, like most of you guys, suffering with the stuttering issues. And I'm, I'm really hoping that kind of is something in the past. And so... And I'm looking for, you know, people that have been asking for the 2016 uh, NASCAR rule package in there. And now we have it, and it's only going to be the fourth race season. And um, and so I'm looking forward to on, on the changes of that and how people adjust. And and hopefully I can adjust quicker than other people. <laughs> and, uh you know, so it's it's to me it's all about the new build. That's my final thoughts. There is that uh, it was a, it was a good day. I'm glad it, I'm glad it didn't take them four days to come out with the build and have yin yang and problems. I'm glad it's here and uh, and that I was able to test it for uh, many hours today. So and it um, works and it works. So uh, so that's that's my final stuff. So anyways, uh, thank you guys for being here and. Um, Remember, you can uh, check us out on all those different things and download our stuff on uh, on iTunes, and you can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and our website. So um, that's it, guys. Thank you very much. See ya.
Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track. Thank you.